Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Miss LaFawn. Uh, joining me on the phone from, well, now from the band Journey, it is a drummer, Narda Michael Walden. He has, of course, produced all kinds of great stuff over the years, including, including Whitney Houston's How Will I Know. And I'm telling you, that is one of the world's greatest pop songs ever, ever written. Uh, Alan Niven, Sir Alan Niven uh, there on the phone. Bonjour. Would you agree with that? Bonjour. Yes. Um, well, it might have been brilliant if Gene Simmons had done backup vocals, but um, I'm not sure I'd rate it as one of the greatest. i tell you what I will say about Nada Michael Walden. He's an extraordinary individual, apart from the fact that he's born in the same year as me. Um, joking aside, he's really an extraordinary individual because he has incredible precision and technique. But on top of that, he has amazing feel. And it's not always a case that you'll find that somebody has great precision and great technique and great feel. And it's quite often that somebody with great feel doesn't really have that much precision and technique. But here's an individual who quite obviously has both to a degree of extraordinary excellence. You're talking about somebody who can play with Jeff Beck and John McLaughlin and yet produce really good singles that feel great. And that's where I'll agree with you. Um, the one that comes to my mind is Freeway of Love with uh, Aretha and Clarence. I mean, that's just a great feeling R&B track. But, you know... That, that that would be my thumbnail response to you saying, not a Michael Walden. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he, he just, I mean, I, I was interviewing him and, and we're, we're talking about his uh, 24th annual holiday jam. And you'll, you'll hear all the info during the interview. And he's got a new album out called Immortality. But then as I'm talking to him, I'm like, oh, you've worked with The Temptations and, and Steve Winwood and and uh, Patti LaBelle and Gladys Knight and Elton John and Al Jarreau. And it's just like, you couldn't find a, an A-lister in all of that? I mean, no, I mean, Jesus, look, look at that. I mean, it's, it's it's just the creme de la creme. I mean, what a career. What an absolute career. And, of course, now with Journey, I don't want to say anything disparaging about anybody in Journey because I love the band, but now you add in um, him and uh, um, oh, I'm forgetting the uh, the bass player now who was on Raised on Radio uh, on from American Idol. Please help me out. Um Bass player for American Idol. Oh my lord, I, I'm forgetting. A, hold on. Raise oh, the, do you mean Randy Jackson? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Wow. One complete of the, one brain. Of the yeah. Complete. Complete brain. Yeah. So he's got he's got Randy Jackson. Journey's got Randy Jackson and uh, Narda, and it's just like, you know, I'm excited. I I really think that other than the original lineup with Steve Perry, this is going to be really interesting because that that rhythm section. Now that that's I mean that's yeah. a rhythm section. That's that's, that's a rhythm, a rhythm section. section. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you've got uh Narda who produces all these singles and all these songs from like I said Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin, George Benson, uh, Mariah Carey, Ray Charles. And he's going to sit in that studio with Neil and Neil's going to have his vision and Narda's just going to go, "Here's how you get to that place." And it's just going to be well, phenomenal. I'm, well, I'm going to drop another name on you too. Yeah, Clarence. Because well, no, not Clarence. 
I'm going to drop a name on you that I would think that there's an awful lot of people who might listen to us may be totally unaware of. Now, I am not a great lover of jazz. It's got to be something extraordinary to be able to get my simplistic brain to embrace it. Um, in a silent way, for example, my, by Miles Davis, I think it's just extraordinary. But, you know, Nadi used to play in a band called Weather Report. And Weather Report was a band that I used to listen to regularly. I had loved their albums. I thought they were really cool and interesting, and you could go with them. You know, they, they, they carried you emotionally as well as intellectually. There's an awful lot of jazz that to me is just like, uh, I get the point, you know, you made your intellectual point, but you haven't moved me emotionally. But Weather Report would move me emotionally. Well, so, I, I'm going to tell you. Check that band out. We we actually talked about Weather Report in the in the interview. I uh, I mentioned Jacko Pistorius, and I said, well, you know, you got to play with Jacko, and what was it like? Yada yada yada. And he gave me the whole story about how he got to meet Jacko, and how there was Weather Report going on, and this and that, and how they. they you know what? Let's just go listen to the interview. We talk Journey. We talk Jacko. We talk Weather Report. We talk. We even talk Luba who's a Canadian hero because he produced a song for her called How Many that actually won a Juno, our Grammy, right? So here wow. is, yeah, I know. The, guy, the guy's a Canadian Grammy winner, or a Juno, as we called him. Uh, here is the one, the only, drummer oh, extraordinaire. Oh, yes. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, before you go, Not drummer extraordinaire. here's my question for you. Yes. Did you talk about Tommy Bolin? Oh, I, I'm not sure if the name Tommy Bolin came up, but 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 we we got a nice long conversation about Jacko Pistorius. I can tell you that much. So are we ready? Here is the one, We're ready. The, the one, the only, a true legend, true legend, drummer extraordinaire, somebody that I could also call Sir if I wanted to, uh, and why not? Here is Sir Narda Michael Walden. We are speaking to a drummer, producer, and all around good guy, Narda. Michael Walden, he's a holiday, holiday jam show is coming up on December 24th and 25th and 26th. Uh, you can certainly check that out and you can donate if you're interested in supporting the foundation and their commitment to music education at paypal.me uh, PayPal uh, forward slash music edu, edu uh, 2020. And as we say here in Montreal, uh, bonjour uh, Narda, how are you? Comment allez-vous? God bless you, Mitch. I'm really good. I'm very happy, very happy to come in this morning and say hello to you yeah. and to all your listeners and to wish everyone a very happy holiday, Merry Christmas, and the New Year coming. And It's going to be a wonderful New Year, so we're going to yeah, we're enjoy today, which is Christmas Eve Eve. Yep. And uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, have, and have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be a great time. So, so talk to me about the uh, music foundation or the music education and what got you involved with that because you know uh over the years over the last 20 30 years here in quebec and in canada and especially in the states music education has slowly been uh, eroded from schools has slowly been eroded from almost the public consciousness um talk to me about the importance of having music education and music for for kids yeah well a lot of us, like you mentioned myself, and when we, we came up, we had some kind of music in the school, be it band or, you know, choir or 
music edu- music appreciation where they would play a little Tchaikovsky so you could recognize Peter and Wolf. Something would happen. And then as I became, became older in my life, I became I was a part of the Grammy board, the Grammy uh, institution with education. I realized that that the uh, music was no longer in the schools. So we had to actually make programs to go in the schools and put music in there. That's when I realized how bad it was. And um, out where I live here, there's a, a, a group of children, um, and they're called the Performing Stars of Marin. And I really took, took a liking to them to help educate them and give them my love. And then from that love in that, in that pocket, I just kind of just grew this non-microwave foundation where I just wanted to bring singers here locally or from the Bay Area and maybe some dancers or drummers or instrumentalists and then mix them in with the famous people who they would look up to. So they had a chance to actually work with them. And then that I saw coming out of it, each person was inspired. The kids got inspired and got their confidence up and the legends who would come through uh, felt inspired and got even more confidence dealing with the children. So there was a real magic that was happening about this. So now I'm on to my 24th year of doing this and um, I just see that it's a needed, a needed thing. Music, as we know, is uh, God's language. If, if God speaks to us in silence with meditation and prayer, then right next to silence comes music. So music is uh, something that, that we need in life. Well, you and, know, uh, I just feel that uh, whatever I can do to um, take my energy, which I have a lot of energy, yeah. and if I can use my energy for, for, for good and to help uh, inspire kids and, and people... This is what I want to do. And, and I, I was just going to add that the importance of music has been especially shown during this pandemic. Most of us or a lot of us have, have reverted back to, you know, watching Netflix and listening to our favorite albums and listening to our favorite music and, and getting through moments of, of, you know, whether it's depression or sadness or whatever, with the music. And of course, we're all crying for one thing, and it's live shows, which guess what? Is music. So, you know, the, the one thing the pandemic has made us realize is how uh, invasive in our lives music is on a good uh, on a good sense. So so that's a, I love the fact that you're doing that. Now, this this foundation in the 24th annual, is it just for the Bay Area or does the foundation make donations, for example, to a, a school in New York City or is it localized no, or is it national? Yeah, focused on the Bay. Okay. The, the, the needs here in the Bay Area have been so kind of great in a way that I've just really focused here. Uh, not not to say that the new needs aren't great everywhere else, but uh, we've had our hands full just with the Bay Area primarily. So that's been our, our, our real focus. Um, and um, But I would like at some point in our future, if the good Lord wants us to, to, to expand it, that's fine too. Well, let's let's hope it expands. And, and if not, let's hope other uh, local uh, charities take up the uh, the challenge and do the same for their communities. I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah, um, very, very important. I, I want to ask you a couple I of... I can't say enough how much, for example, when I see Martha Reeves and the, and the Vandellas from Detroit, when they fly out here and they sing Dancing in the Street and get everybody going, you know, get all, all the people excited, and how much the kids learn by watching her up close, because Martha, in particular, is very hands-on, how she wants the tambourine to go, how she wants the drums, the trumpets, the, the trombones, the saxes, every little thing she's, she's educating us. So the kids are watching this, <laughs> and they learn from this the same way I do. So all this, like, back and forth, man, has been a great education, which uh, is, is, is like magic. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I do want to just ask you a couple of questions on, on other topics, because you did have, of course, a, a solo album earlier this year. But before we get to the solo album and, and of course, the uh, obligatory journey question, um, you had a chance to work with Jaco Pistorius back in 1976, and, and he is revered as one of the great bass masters, one, one, of, the, one of the absolute fantastic ones. Um, when you go into that, is there an education for you? Do you learn from him? Does he learn from you? And what was it like being around him? And of course, you know, Carlos Santana and, and all these other people. Well, let's point out. Hey, yeah. hey, one thing at a time. Yeah. Jaco and I, it's a very cool history because I was down in Florida, Miami, Florida, and I wasn't known yet. I was in a band called the New McGuire Sisters, the New McGuire Sisters, with Sam Chorano and, and a band that he had put together of fusionary people. And we're playing fusion every night. And I would go to the Miami school. And at the Miami school would be all these hot shots who weren't known yet, but they were going to be superstars, like Pat Metheny, Hiram Bullock, Cliff Carter, Patty Scalpel, who's now married to Bruce Springsteen. She was down there. The whole place was flooded with all these great musicians, Lyle Mays and, and his band. Uh, so everyone was down at, the, at this time. Just had seemed to be a, a hot pocket. But then I heard, hey, man, down the road, he doesn't go to the school, but he's a badass bass player. you got to go check him out, named Jocko. So we heard about Jocko before, you know, I actually met him. Then one day, it, just, it worked out for me to be invited to come to his home to just jam with him. He and I, just bass and drums in his living room, just jammed. That went on all, almost all day long. That's how we really became best of friends. And I realized what he likes to do is, if I play 4-4, four, four, he plays 7-4 over my 4. Then we reverse it. I play seven, he played four across me. He liked that, that um, friction. Then he also liked when I would push him because he had ph phenomenal technique. So when I push him, or, you know, he would just, just go to some place that was just like uh, uh, otherworldly. So we became best of friends. And then when I moved to New York to be with Mavish Orchestra, he might come to New York and we'd hang out. So wherever I went, even out to California, he, we'd hang out. Along the way, in 75, um, I was asked to join the band called Weather Report. I recorded a song called Black Market with Joe and Wayne live in the studio, Alex Acuna on percussion, and Alfonso Johnson on bass. Alfonso was going to leave the band, and then Joe asked me would I join the band and bring a bass player. I said, I wasn't sure if I could, if I could join the band because I might want to join a band with Tommy Bowen, more the rock side of that time. But I knew a bass player named Jocko from Florida. And Joe said, yeah, I think I've heard of him. So we flew Jocko out. And his audition the next morning was a piece called Cannonball on the Weather Report album. And in the learning of that song, two things. One, I would take my cassette machine and have Joe play the whole song. And I'd record it. I can go out in the hallway and memorize it. Because it had all these different changes. You, I had to memorize it and get it in my soul. But in the teaching of Joe to Jocko the song, Jocko started playing all these extra notes and extra things, and then Joe would stop and say, don't play that stuff in my song. Don't play that on my song. And when I saw Joe do that to Jocko, it forced the best out of Jocko. It forced Jocko to settle down and play what was absolutely the genius thing as opposed to just because he could. And in that song, Cannonball, was so beautiful then that Jocko joined that band, and the next album was Heavy Weather, with Teen Town and Birdland and all that fantastic music. And then, of course, they toured together, and he became, you know, Jocko Pastorius. And then on his solo album, he asked me, would I come play drums on Come, Come On, Come Over? 
And that was cut live at Bobby Columbia's house up in um, upstate New York. Hold on. Let me tell you where. Sam, Let me tell you Sam where. Moore, uh, and the horn sections, live. Everything was live. So it was so cool. Right. So, you know, we, we, Jocko at that time was also revered. And he yeah. was very much like a Muhammad Ali because he was outspoken about his talent and his gift. And we all would love him because of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, um, and the, unfortunately, uh, he had a you know addiction issue, yeah, which came out later in his life, which come out comes out in a lot of people's lives. So anyway, we we miss him, but uh, he put down some such genius that we are talking about him today. Yeah, and and the the recent documentary about his life was just brilliant, uh, just just an absolute uh, masterpiece of documentary work. Um, I want to bring you back just here quickly to some Canadian content because I'm always amazed. Uh, there's a lady up here called Luba who I would run into locally because she she literally would come and visit a house not down you know not too far down the street. And you did her um, how many uh, video from her uh, between the earth and sky got a Juno Award for video of the year. H- how did Narda end up working with a local Montreal talent? been so long ago now we just we had just opened the doors at Tarpan Studios maybe in 84 85 and Luba was one of the first things we did here in our brand new studios at that time and I'm not quite sure how the connection happened I think she was a superstar somehow that we thought uh, we could take even higher and uh, we loved her sound and what she was doing with her band and the record company called us and we had a, had a, had a, good, a good feeling and in came Luba and we did a great song together. We, we we had a great session together. And the keyboard player, I think his name was Mark. We all had a good good feeling. We did wonderful music together. And uh, even to this day, I'm still close to Ruby. I talk to her every now and again on a text or email or whatever it is. Uh, I just thought she was a phenomenal talent. And we had a, a nice connection. And it just, as, as God would have it, way back in the 85, kind of just hit it off, man. And we, had, we never did anything since. But I sure would like to. I think so, too, because she, she's absolutely terrific. Now, I'm, I'm sort of rushing through the topics here because I have to leave in 15 minutes. I have an appointment because I, I had an accident last week, so i gotta, I got to get to this. But uh, just real quick, you, you joined Journey, uh, and you're, you're working on new music, and Neil has you in there. Uh, talk to me about about that because, they, they, you know, you've got Randy Jackson and, and Arnell, who, of course, is just a fantastic singer. Um how do you feel about joining that that band and and bringing them to a new audience and bringing bringing some new music to the folks because it's been it's been a while and and well, everybody you, you wants it. it. Yeah, you just said it. Bringing new music because Journey's history is phenomenal, and it's, it's like a, it's like a mountain, it's like the Himalaya Mountains, what they what they put down since the eighties. I mean, I've always known them because we're we're in the same Bay Area here, and Neil and I've been friends, and and Randy came out of my camp before he even joined Journey. He was with with me with on all the Aretha Franklin and Whitney Houston recordings and things I was doing. So it's all like a family feeling. Jonathan Cain is a great writer and great musician as well. And we're all close. So it's like um, uh, I had done an album for Neil, which is just out now called The Universe. And the making of The Universe, we became close all over again. You know, we cut like, I don't know, 17 tracks for, for The Universe. And um, I think we, we really enjoyed working together. And then maybe not long after, he asked, how would I feel about helping out and joining Journey and bringing some new energy to Journey? And at the time, 
it was a, it was a tour, like a long tour they were going to go on. So this is before COVID hit. I said, well, sure, I'd love to join and we'll do the tour. So that's what it was meant to be, a tour. But then when the COVID hit, we said, well, maybe we could just separately start working on writing some new, new music. And then that's what we started doing, was kind of composing different songs and having fun doing that. And now we've kind of built a, um, a, a collection of songs. So it's been fun for me. I, everything I, I, I get into, I want to do it because it's fun. It's, it's an opportunity. Um, and I know that whenever it does calm down the virus, we can play some great music together. So yeah, for well, me, I'm, I'm excited for, for, for new things to happen. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, and I, I'm very much looking forward to it because, uh, you know, if Neil pushes a stamp of approval on something, you know it's it's a high quality and it's going to be fantastic. Um, Immortality is your album that came out earlier this year. There's a track on there. In fact, one of the first singles called We Can Live Forever. That is just one of the greatest tracks of 2020. It's 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 fun. It's funky. It's rocky. It's it's uh, the musicianship on that. Um, uh, remind me of the guitarist real quick, uh, Matthew. Uh, Matthew Charles Hewlett. Dude, that guy can rip. I mean, the solo he does in that song is fantastic. Yeah, yeah he comes from the Bay Area too. Well, actually, actually, I should say he's born and raised out where I'm from, in Michigan. He's from Detroit. I'm from Kalamazoo, so we have a Michigan connection. But we found each other out here in the Bay Area. And I like the fact that he can kind of play jazz, rock, like Mahavishnu style when I want it. But he can also play like just gut bucket blues rock too. So I, I, like, I like mixing those worlds up. And you're hearing that on that We Can Live Forever. It, it's a phenomenal track. Do, do you plan at some point to, to, to tour that when touring is, yeah. is available? Well, I was, yeah, we, 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 we would love to do like a little jaunt and play some great live music, which we love doing. But as you know, this whole thing has slowed everyone down now, so we're just kind of rethinking everything. And uh, I maybe come to my studio, make a live, uh, a live, a live stream, a live streaming event right. around that album or something. The next year when things kind of calm down, we'll, 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 we'll figure out some kind of way to kind of keep things going. But I like that music of uh, Immortality very, very much. And it's yeah. a very cool band. On the bass is uh, Angel Funk, Angeline Sarris. On keyboards is Frank Martin, who's been with me for a long time. And so we have a lot of fun together with that band. And uh, let me just ask you this before before we wrap up here. You're obviously a drummer and a musician, but you're a producer, and you've done some of the greatest songs. In fact, one of my guilty pleasures is How Will I Know by, by Whitney Houston. As a as a young metalhead back in the day listening to Judas Priest and Def Leppard and, and Kiss and all that, I saw that song, and I never told anybody I loved it, but I loved it. Um, what is it? What do you prefer most? Do you prefer producing? Do you prefer playing? And is the creativity the same for you, or is the creativity completely different? That's a very good question. What I prefer doing the most uh, is sweating. I like to be on a stage with people and sweat. That's, that, that's the highest rush in the world, when the music itself is just immediate, like a prize fight. You're just doing it. You know, you're just right in the middle of it, and you get lost in it, and you're, you're out there somewhere. That, that's, that's incredible. Then I learned the art of how to make a record, which changes all the time. The art is to stay open and to be willing. So if you're willing in the studio, you can make a hit, but you gotta be willing. If you're not willing, you shut down, God won't bless you, God does not bless the session. So how will I know we were willing? Whitney Houston was willing to sing that song, and sing all the high stuff and kill it. Uh, the writers of George Merrill and Shannon Ruby Campbell were willing to let me write some verses in there. And I was willing to hop on a plane and go to New York. Uh, my, my cats 
Randy Jackson and Corrado Ruschichi and Preston Glass and Walter and Frank were willing to cut it. So the willingness aspect is really important in the studio. If you're willing, you can do all kinds of great things. Has, but uh, just say one's more favorite than me another. Uh, I like to sweat and put my drums. But beyond that, I love being around people and helping to make great music that we can all love for years to come. It's a real honor for me, a real pleasure. And I'm a real fan of music. I'm a real fan of artists. I'm a fan of, of being sensitive enough to let the singer and whoever it is shine. Help them shine. Help them get their best. Help them, help them get their best. Let me ask you this. Has... Help them get their best because it's, it's, it's a process. Well, it is. And sometimes, most normally, it is the first few, few things you do. But like in Michael Jackson's case, he sang Billie Jean 92 times. But they end up keeping the second take. But that <laughs> process of 92 times is important. Yeah. Can you imagine if he had done it with uh, Mutt Lang? It would have been 192 times. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, let me just ask you this: in terms in terms of production, other than you know the the, the the technique of of cutting tape and Pro Tools and and that kind of stuff, has the point of view of producing for you changed over the years? You know, is a producer who was successful in the 80s can he still take his 80s sort of brain and come into 2020 or? Has the whole? Do you have, do you have to sort of rethink how albums are put together these days? Getting away from the Simmons drums and all you know, and the technical stuff, just the point of view of this is a good song. Has, has that changed? No, uh, you have to understand what is a good song now, because you know the goalpost changes. Like what we thought was a good song in the '60s may not be what they think is a good song now. So you have to understand. Where the audience is at. That's why I have to, as a producer, understand or listen to the top 10, top 20, kind of figure out what planet we're on. Because it, it changes from year to year. The, the, the taste, the tempo, the sounds, the colors, the vibrancy, the consciousness. You know, you want to party? No, no, now, right now, right now, we're not going to party. Right now, we want to be sad. Right now, okay, now we want to party again. So it keeps kind of changing around. But you got to kind of follow it because you want to be like a, you want to have a, an ability about you to be psychic, to be able to predict. Well, you need to stay ahead of the curve, now, right? Where it might be a year from now. Based on where it is now, where it might be six months from now. Right. So then that comes into play, the, the, the song. The song is always the star. Let me say that again. The song is always the star. So that's important, the most important. But then how you dress it, that's when you think about where we are as a people, what we're going to want to hear, what we're going to want to hear over and over and over and over and over again. So that is a real conscious thought. Uh, it, it really is. And uh, here, last question. Uh, you're out with, of course, uh, all the different bands as a drummer and, and the orchestra that I can never pronounce the first name, Man Who... Mahavishnu. Oh, I wish I could. I'm just, I'm not capable. <laughs> Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu. See, oh, look at that. I said it. <laughs> After 52 years, I finally got it. Um, okay. but, but what was that moment that clicked in you that said, hey, you know what? I want to be on the other side of that window. I want to be the guy pushing the phasers and the buttons and the things. And uh, what was that moment where you just said, you know what? I can do this. I can make a great song on that well, other side. I think two things happened. One, the first album I made was with the Beatles producer, George Martin, in London at his studio, watching him work and seeing how relaxed and calm he was with his great engineer, Jeff Emmerich. The second album I made was with Ken Scott, Visions of the Emerald Beyond. He had worked with the Beatles, too, did the White Album as an engineer and all that, watched how he worked. 
learn some of his tricks. Third album was Dennis McKay. My first solo album was with Tommy, Tommy Dowd, who did Almond Brothers and Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, and all the Atlantic superstars. Watched him work. So by just watching, you get a chance to learn so much. And then Quincy Jones told me, he said, you might want to consider being a producer and a helper because we need more helpers in the world of production. So when he told me that, I kind of took a little bit more serious. And then I started making my own records. I had a little hit with I Should Loved You, my own dance hits with Bobby Clearmountain helping me. And then I decided I would ask um, about Stacey Latizal, take a pop star, a little, little girl, and see what I could make for her as far as pop hit records. When we had, when we had a hit with Let Me Be Your Angel, Dynamite, Jump to the Beat, Love on a Two-Way Street, then all those phones started ringing, you know, from Clive Davis to do maybe Aretha Franklin or Dionne Warwick or whatever. So, uh, Jermaine Stewart. So, you know, things just kind of happened naturally. But it wasn't like me saying, oh, I'm going to just all of a sudden become a producer. I had to watch other people and kind of learn it, learn, learn the skill of production. Because everyone has a different way of doing it. Some producers are more like engineers. Some producers are just uh, music aficionados. In my case, I'm a musician, first and foremost. So I'm very hands-on because I'm a musician. I know kind of what I want it to sound like. So I take that in, into it at the same time, depending upon who I'm working with, I give them a lot of room to breathe. So that's, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's a nice balancing act. Yeah, and, and I learned it through watching others. Yeah, that's the way. That's that's definitely the way to do it. Man, I could go on for another half hour, but I actually, I, unfortunately, I have to go yeah, to an appointment. Yeah, I but I love you for this interview, Mitch. Yeah, and, um, but I just want to remind the folks. Narda, Michael, Clarence Clemens, and Carlos Santana, and Do Your Brothers, and all our friends locally. So have a good time watching these kids perform. Absolutely, and Narda Michael Walden Foundation dot org. Narda Michael Walden Foundation dot org, and on that, Narda. As we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup, uh, un plaisir, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so kind, Mitch. We'll talk back next year. Absolutely. Cheers now. Okay, bye. Bye-bye now.